Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to a different creative person every week about how they do their thing, and this week my guest is the hilarious Drew Drogi. Uh, more about him in a second. First, a little housekeeping. I would love it if you went to DennisAnyone.net. You can do so many things there. You can subscribe to my monthly newsletter. You can take my audience poll. You can leave a little tip in the tip jar if you feel like it. Uh, it helps me keep the podcast free. You can buy some merch there, like my two novels or the DVD of my five short films that I worked on. Lots of fun stuff there. And along with the podcast that I post there, there are sometimes pictures with things that go with the podcast. So if you want to see what we're talking about, I try to take pictures. Um, I'm also starting a new segment this week at the end of the podcast, so uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, it, it'll be thrilling, I promise you. Maybe. I hope. All right, on to Drew Drogi. He's genius. He's a veteran of the Groundlings. He's probably best known for his Chloe Sevigny viral videos where he mispronounces things and drops a lot of names and they're genius. Um, he's also appeared on a ton of television shows. As he likes to say when he plays Tanya Roberts in the mismatch game, go to IMDB and pack a lunch. Um, he's one of my favorite funny people in LA and I was uh, thrilled to sit down and um, figure out how he does what he does and talk to him about all that stuff. And he's got a million fun shows coming up, including a live recreation of the Golden Girls with Sam Pancake, Jackie Beat, and Sherry Vine. So we're going to talk all about that. So enjoy Drew Drogi. All right, I am here in the Los Feliz apartment of the hilarious Drew Drogi. Welcome to Hi, Dennis, Dennis, anyone. <laughs> now, your apartment is soon to be graced. It's, I know, it is. I'm so bummed. So I th- love I'm this so place. glad that I'm here now. You're going to be one of the last. I, mean, I have like a couple months still in here, okay. but I don't know where I'm going, and I love this place. And I'm going to probably stay in the neighborhood. I have okay. to. It's a cool neighborhood. You can walk to home. I walk to, yes, I walk to the movies. I can walk to... You walk to the Los Feliz Cinema, which is maybe my favorite. Yes, yes. The leg room. Well, I'm talking about the Vista. Oh, the Vista. Oh, there is leg room at the Vista. I thought you were talking about the Los Feliz 3, which is like... The Los Feliz 3 is okay. Really bizarre, bizarrely cut together. Yeah. Three cinemas that was used to be one. But it's the place where you can catch that movie that's been kicking around a while before it leaves town. Yep. And it's and five dollars. Yes, and I know. When great. is it five dollars? D- during the day. Shit. Well, it's three. It's like five bucks for for a first run movie. All day, all day until like evening. Right. Wow, what yeah. a good thing it's to really know. Great. And I don't work for them. It's not even a plug. For it's them. not even a plug. It's just yeah. You like the cinema. I do. Uh, I my actor friends, I think you're the most into film and filmmaking, and you know you're the. the biggest connoisseur of I'm way more into movies than I am into TV which is weird yeah. because I work in TV as an actor right. I rarely, I'm rarely in movies but like I or I'll do like an indie movie I mean I would love to eventually do more movies but right. but I don't really watch TV which is what I work in but right. I but I love and I and I love TV when I, when I can catch it but if you look around the apartment there's no TV here Yeah, I go to the movies all the time there's no TV no I watch everything on my laptop I'm right one on. of those you're one of those, one of those. You're, I, a, you're a millennial I want to be a millennial I'm not I'm not but I'm holding on to it I'm per- per- but a lot of times you'll, I'll see you coming out of the movies and you're the one that said you gotta see Get On Up it's really good I remember you recommending that I saw did you, you like it I did I thought it was like one of the best biopics I've seen in a while. I agree, and, and nobody it, saw it, and, and nobody it took liked chances it. Chances with narrative. I agree. I thought it, it was so wonderful, and I love the way it started. I love the way it just threw you in the like in the eighties and at his department store. Like you're like, what's going yeah. on? And, so, and it was, it was like a, they broke the fourth wall. And everyone that complains about conventional biopics and how they don't ever do anything different, 
needs to check that out. I completely agree. I feel I like Tate wonderful. Taylor isn't getting his due. He, I know. I mean, for the help, it was like it was like they sort of assumed that movie directed itself. It got yes. so many acting accolades and Oscars, and you know, and he didn't get any really thing for that. And no, it's like that movie I was all about like, the director, that performance, those performances. And then I thought Get On Up was an even better film. And it really like the help. You know, it was personal to him. He had a connection to the author. It was kind of the way he grew up. Okay, right, blah, blah, blah. right. Sure. Get On Up was so audacious and different and I, I feel like I feel like people don't give him his due. I know, just from the opening of that movie alone to where it where it went and how it just creatively told the story. It told the story from the point of view of the music, I thought, yeah. as opposed to this happened and this happened and this happened. Yeah. Because there's so many boring every year there's there's so many that they get all the attention and I'm like, oh my God, if I have to see one more childhood into yeah. adolescence into the grave, I don't I know. I, I just did my little list of my sleeper movies of the year. What mm. What's your movies that you love that you feel like got lost in the shuffle um, from well, last year? Well, I, I I would say Nightcrawler, but it's not. It's slinking into like it's, the mainstream. Okay, it's my favorite movie of the year. It's my favorite movie of the year. I saw it the really? second time the other night, oh, and it's I went so good. with um, a group of folks. They did it at the Egyptian, and mm. the the writer director and the editor, who's his twin brother, spoke afterwards. It was the Q and A from heaven. God, yes. I'm. I'm. I can't believe it's his first movie, Dan Gilroy. Yes. It, I I had, was so blown away by it, and I saw it right when it came out, and it was one of the. It's a, it's at this slow roll, but it's gonna it's gonna get Oscar nominations. It a is, lot. And, and, and as it should. But it's one. Of, I'm I'm so happy for it because it's one of those movies that I thought the Academy will never recognize a movie because yeah. it's also really incendiary up towards the media and towards Los Angeles and all yeah. of it, but. And Renee Russo gives the performance of the year. I think she is... I mean, as Jake Gyllenhaal is brilliant, and he is, he's such a terrific actor, but she was the revelation to me. Like, that woman. Yeah. That cold... Well, what you realize is she's just really, as desperate as he is. Yes. Everyone... This is what I learned from, like, the fashion police strike and all that stuff. Everyone, at every level... Is desperate. Yes. Everyone at every yes. level feels like it's all going to go away. Oh, I know. Absolutely. So and it's we, not like she feels comfortable, and then when he calls her out on her... No. The precariousness of her job, she's like... No, they both were in the same place. And, and that, that margarita scene, I mean, not to give anything away of the movie, oh, but I haven't seen it. But that margarita delicious. scene is my favorite scene in the movie, of the, of the year. Yes. In any movie. Um, and I, I, I know, it really does show that everyone is that. We all are that. And this, yes. And, and we're one, you know, bad day away from... You know, working a night shift at KT, being a nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, I also loved this movie, Mommy, uh, Xavier Dolan's movie. Yes, I've heard of it, but it's coming out in January officially. I loved it. It is wonderful. Okay. No no one's seen it yet, but I I have seen that. And I don't know what else. Now, do you vote for SAG and stuff? I do. I just voted for SAG. Yeah. Have you talked about your before? Is it. Verboten. Well, I already said Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, the best actors this year, I, I, any of them, I would be uh, could win. Yes. There's been so many great lead. He's going to be one of the top five. They were saying he's not going to. He's going to be. He's going to. He's going to. The enthusiasm for that movie yes. bumps it away. I up. voted for him not because I. I mean, I love Michael Keaton and Birdman, and yeah. I loved. Um, uh, I thought um, Eddie Redmayne was amazing. Like I love these performances, but I voted for Jake Gyllenhaal because it's the movie's the underdog that I'm the yes. most excited. I always vote for him that I'm the most excited about. But then... The, and he also created something out of nothing, as opposed to, yes. I'm playing Martin Luther King, I'm right. playing Stephen Hawking, I'm playing Alan yes. Turing. Yes, The yes. greatness of those men sort of rub over onto the actor. You're right. He, there was nothing there. Right. And he was so inventive. The second time I saw it, I was like, all these little laughs and... 
everything uh, that was happening for that that man because he was such a constructed person like yeah. that that character built that character you know what yeah. I'm saying like that yeah. guy made that person that he and he thinks he's something it was it was really exciting to see yeah to see him do that and um and then um I I was just you know it's exciting this year that that like. J.K. Simmons and Patricia Arquette are yeah. racking up all the awards because they're such awesome actors that yeah. I've loved forever, and they're both terrific in the movie. I'm on Team Aniston too for Cake. I loved her. You were. I I her. love her, but that movie made me crazy. You weren't into it. No, I like that it movie a lot. made me crazy. But I loved. I do love her, and I think she is. I think she's definitely somebody who gets it. I love that she does horrible bosses, and then yeah. she does Cake. Like she does indie. Right. She's very. Daring, and she's been given so much flack for just being Rachel. And I always think like she's really willing to go to really interesting places. Yeah, and she's not afraid to be unlikable. I mean, in Cake, she's really unlikable yeah. at a lot of points, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um. So, who's your actress pick? Uh, Julianne, Julianne Moore, one hundred percent. Yeah, she's great. I want her. I want her to win every time she does anything. Right. And I think still Alice is like her penultimate performance. I mean, I don't know how you can compare it to like. Magnolia or Boogie, Boogie Nights, Nights or, or Safe yeah. or yeah. Shortcuts or anything that she's, you know, The Hours or right. Far From Heaven. I mean, she's amazing. But I'm so excited to see, like, her hopefully finally get her yeah. gold. Now, with your movie going, do you have your people that go with you to every obscure thing? Or are you sometimes like, you I know, love what? to go by myself. I yeah. mean, like, I do go with I will people, go by but I, will, I love going to movies by myself. Yeah. I don't want to go with anybody who's going to not take it seriously. Like, right. if they're going to talk... I mean, not that they're going to... Are they going to like, resent gonna, you for dragging you? Yes. If they're yeah. going to be annoyed... That, like, Have you, know, you seen like, Force Majeure? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Delicious. Great. And Two Days and One Night? I haven't seen that yet. So good. That's what everyone's saying. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. It really stayed with me. All right. Enough about all that stuff. So, mm. you've got a million and one shows coming up. Mm. So, um, yeah. break it down. This can <laughs> one go, million this'll, and one. This will probably go up Monday. So, a okay. couple of your shows will be off the right. grid. Okay. So, um, well, first of all, um, Julie Brown's The Homecoming Queen's Got a Musical, which yes. is a musical of The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. Yes. It's coming back for uh, one weekend in L.A., and then, uh, which will be the... the um, the 17th and 18th at Casita del Campo. Campo. Yes. And then the following weekend in San Francisco on the 24th at 7 and 10 at the Brava Theater. Um, anyway, if you're you, taking it on the road. We're taking it on the road for one night. We're taking it to San Francisco. We're doing two shows in a I night. I love it. How many people are going? Um, I don't know, but it's a giant theater. And, okay. But the whole cast is going. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. We're all going up and doing it. And... The show is... I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. It? Okay, it's it is so much fun. I love it. It's one of those rides that you get on and just like... It's just so much fun because it's... It's it's a... It's a... Um, you know, um, musicalization of her song. And I get to be the homecoming queen, which is yeah. a dream come true. Yes. Um, What's her name? Uh, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've I've seen some song songs, too. I do sing a couple songs. Um, they've we, We've cut it down for time, and I was yeah. the first to volunteer to cut my songs. I was like, really? cut my songs. Really? Because I hate singing. Like, I'd rather... I love being in a musical. I yeah. love that style of, of performing. And I'm... But, like, I'm so happy to not ever sing. That's ever so interesting. Yeah. Julie yeah, Brown's one of my favorite famous people. Me, too. Because she's not like the others. There's, there's zero ego. There's just... There's zero... Um, Wait to anything with her. You know what I mean? She, she's just so cool to just play. She's like one... She, she has a real sense of camaraderie. It's not yes. like... She's a complete team player. She puts so much trust in her in her cast and 
And everybody that she works with. And, you know, I mean, I re- really met her on your show in The Match Game. The Mismatch Game. Mismatch you didn't know game. her before that? I did not know her before that. Okay. I mean, we, and so we did Mismatch together. And then she was like, I think I want to go take some improv classes because it's been a million years since I've done classes. So she went and took class with the Groundlings. And did she take She was in you? my class. And oh, my so, God. It was the weirdest, crazy. I did, like, get over the fact that, like, yeah. somebody that I loved for years is, like, taking from me. And it's like, but, but... It's such a great lesson to all of us that we're all, for the rest of our lives, learning. We all should be trying to get better. We all should be, you know, yeah. it's like, you're never at a point where you're like, I know everything there is to know. And that's what keeps her fresh and young and awesome is that she's really, she's just there to like play. And there's, yeah. And, and then she'll casually mention, and you're like, you forget that like, you were like, you've been around you're forever. You're Medusa. You're Medusa. You know, you yeah. forget that, but. There are certain people that still have that let's put on a show thing. Yeah. And I think for certain people in this business, writers, actors, whatever, it goes away. Yeah. And I understand why it goes away. Absolutely. But I still have it. I hope I'll always have it. I feel like you obviously have it. I mean, I I hope I always have this spirit of like, let's, let's, yeah, you know, uncle has a barn and aunt has a box of boas. Let's make a show. You know what I mean? That thing it's like, that's kind of the whole spirit of what it all is. And it's really great to get paid a lot of money and to have those great, awesome, big jobs. But you also want to feel that connect. You, you got to stay sharp and you got to remind yourself why you're doing it. And I think you forget that when you start making money and yeah. you can forget that. You For can, sure. You know, um, so you got homecoming. We've got a musical Yeah, doing that. And then, um, where let's see. And then the following weekend I'll be, Back in San Francisco with the Groundlings, we're doing a bunch of improv shows up there. There's for, a big sketch fest. Yeah, San Francisco sketch fest, which is part of Julie's show, and so it's the two weekends. So oh, we're doing okay. it so that so I'm going up and back for two weekends, in San Francisco. So is the that a crazy fun festival? That I've never fest? been, but okay. it's 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 so. I well want there organized. to be orgies, improv orgies. So- <laughs> like I want like debauchery, but with all, an improv. All with theme. space work. And, <laughs> you know, just big catchphrases and yeah. wigs. Mm-hmm. But super dirty. But, yeah. Um, Hot tubs and uh, like, yeah. Uh, um, but so, I also worry about San Francisco improv audiences because they, you know, a polyamorous um, clinic. Yeah. For their suggestions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, and what's so funny was Sam, Sam Pancake and I have this show that we do called Strong Choices where we Love play, these, play these horrible life coaches and we are this ex-couple and we go to these, we, we have this disgusting uh, retreat that's very, um, uh, very, um, uh, what's it called? I got it. What I know, like sex positive. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. And it's, but it's like beyond and it's really <laughs> creepy and bizarre. And so we went and took it in San Francisco and you guys did more, strong choices. We did strong choices in San Francisco and we were really scared because everybody we talked to up there, like just socially, we would talk to them and they were like, well, I'm uh, running an armpit smelling contest and I'm doing, you know, some sort of, you know, and, and, and Sam and I were like, they're not going to laugh at our show. They're just going to nod and agree. <laughs> Go, and yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cause they're just, I mean, God love them. It's just, it's really just like, it's a, it's but it's a, a thing. It's like a when thing. you look uh, like, uh, just pierced things are, you know, pierced and it's a whole, yeah. Yeah, and I and I love. I mean, I love. They're almost conformists in their nonconformity. Yes, and it's the that's the, it's the uniform. It's sort of like now that like you know, and now that like, there's like a new like gay guy because of looking like yeah. the gay guys. There's the mustache thing 
the yeah. lumbersexual thing. It's, like, so funny how, like, it's become its own... Lumbersexual. Yeah. Love it. The own kind of, like... Yeah. But how did the yeah. show go in San Francisco when you did it? was it? a blast. It was okay. great. It was they really, really great. They were into it. But, um, you know, we were, we were really scared because we were just like, oh, God, is, are we going to offend anyone because of, you know... Well, because also, they get offended. I remember right. being up there with testosterone... Yes. The movie I shot with David uh-huh. Morton and oh, playing, yeah. or yeah. That I love directed. that movie. You did Jennifer Coolidge is in that movie. I love that movie. She's hilarious. She's so great in that movie, and I love that. I remember seeing that movie. Oh gosh, was it at Outfest or? Yeah, it was okay. at Outfest. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, for sure. I have a story about that. Mm. Okay, you might relate to this because you probably get this. Okay, um, there's a television writer that I, I'm acquainted with that uh-huh. I've known since the '90s, and then he started doing really well. And when David and I were writing Testosterone in a Starbucks, mm-hmm. he would come there on his way to work on his big TV show that he was working on. And, hi, how are you? What are you doing? And I said, well, we're working on a movie and we're getting ready to go shoot it in Argentina. And he was like, oh, is it going to be at Outfest? And I was like, maybe, or whatever. But there was some, and then he walked away and there was, and I was like, that was awful, wasn't it? There was something about the way he said it, like, that's so, you have fun at your little gay thing. I'm going to go to my work that in makes Hollywood. Me crazy. That makes and then me crazy. I remember the screening at Outfest and he was there. And he was there. And it was packed. Oh, and it good. Was a and it's night. a great movie. You can, you can rest assured that like, it's a great movie. Oh, and thank it can you. Be like, it's there not you for go. everybody. I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, but I, 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 lo- I, I but there was that dude. So ever since then, I've, I, you know, Anyway, and but also, you let me ask you this: Is this a, was this a gay person? Yes, this, of course it was. That's, that makes and me I crazy. bet you have the equivalent that of that. That makes me so crazy. First of all, before you start shooting your movie, you don't know if it's going to be an outfest. Yeah, yeah. and outfest every year gets remarkably harder and harder to get into. Yeah. So the dismissive idea that like because you're gay people making a gay movie that it's just going to go do outfest is of the past. It is. Outfest is incredibly hard to get into. It's an incredible festival. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I love, you know, how much I love. I love festival. it. It's Christmas to me. It, it, me too. And it's eleven days of just, of just. It, I learned so much there. I mean, I mean, and just so much about, about the community and just the different stories and, you know, and the the amount of just like terrible bad movies that are at Outfest gets lower and lower every year. And every film festival, Sundance, Telluride, whatever, all of them have movies for everyone, and all of them have clunkers and duds and things right. people don't know they look at they watch a screening once they don't know how it ends how it's going to play it's the first time something's going to play so they take chances and that's what a film festival is about of like course. so i am so tired when people talk about a movie and go oh it'll probably just do outfest like to throw it away and i don't hear that from straight people like i don't hear that i, I only hear that from gay people well, it was have, also, this is a very strange thing there is there are certain successful gay people in hollywood who don't want to get any of our I stuff know. on them? Our Casita del Campo I on know. them? Are so gross? Whatever. And it's, it's it's a weird. It's like there's this weird crab bucket effect where you know when one crab gets to the top, the other crabs will pull them down. It's some of that, and then I think it's some of it's like okay, I've made it into this bubble, and I will never look back. Yeah. At the at the the carny world of, of, or the campy gay thing. Yeah. And I never want to be there because no. Julie Brown's never going to be there. No. Jennifer Coolidge isn't there. Like the no. people that I admire are still doing cool stuff yeah. and they get, you know, you have, and I want to be able to do, you know, I would say I want to be able to do like what John C. Riley has done, like, and just do like big movies, do tiny movies, do Tim and Eric yeah, and he you does know, random stuff in the bootleg theater. Bootleg theater. He yeah. does theater. He does he does comedy shows. He pops in. It doesn't like he is 
an artist and it's like, yeah, he might be in some big blockbuster movie that's going to, you know, afford him a life, which is great. So there's nothing wrong with doing that either. But to turn your back on all the cool stuff is like, to me, it's so sad. Well, and it's it's, like, there's something about it. They don't want your cooties. I know. Do you, I, I don't know if you ever feel No, that? I get that all the time. And I get so many people that I get this like, God, Drew, you're so great. And like, yeah, that was your little show that you're doing in that basement and your wigs, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. And you're like, I want to like, hit I, them for you. I you love my wigs in my basement. Yes. Excuse me. And I, and I want to do big stuff too. And I want to be a big deal. I'm not sitting here like, I'm not, you know, I don't take any like sort of you know, pride and being, you know, indie and alternative. I don't, I don't think there's ever anything really that, um, admirable about just being mad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think selling out's a great thing when you can like yes. sell out as much as you can and whenever Damn you right. can. Of course. So I'm all about it, but it's just a weird thing where people feel like, you know, and they patronize you. It, it is. And I think there's, there's insecurity wrapped in that, that they of feel course. like that they, but it is really, it's really crazy. Cause when you're just like, Great, you know, I don't look at you and go, you know, oh, how sweet of you. You're making a million dollars doing bullshit. You know what I mean? I don't right. do that to people. Like, no. You know, like, I'm happy that they're That's working. Yeah, do it. Exactly. And the worst place is, like, ground zero of this is the Outfest filmmaker pool party. Oh, my God. Have you ever been to that yes. thing? Yes, yes, yes. That was Because there's true. all those Hollywood hotshots that come. Uh-huh. But none of them are going to any films. No. And they, they don't want your fucking postcard. They look, for sure. Oh, no. And they look down on you for going. For they, going to the movies. They want to fuck the twink in the yeah, pool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're there because you're, you're like, a filmmaker. Right. I know. It's like, if you have a badge on, you are <laughs> losing at this party. <laughs> it is. And, like, they're and all... it's so intense. Like, you go in there and you're like, oh, my God. There are, I mean, they've hired porn stars to just, like, like l- l- you know... <laughs> lull around the lull pool. around the pool. There's so much happening, you know, and it's like, yeah, and it, it has nothing to do with the film. And, and then occasionally some, like, sort of Hollywood hotshot guys th- that are working a lot or will be there, but they haven't been to a single movie. No, or no. They don't, don't care, not interested. No, they don't want to talk about it in the movies, <laughs> they don't want to talk about it outfit, they don't want to talk, want to talk it, it is, they don't really want to talk. <laughs> They just want to throw down and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page with that. So you got yeah. your San Francisco thing. Mm-hmm. Then, uh... February, we're coming back with the Golden Girls. With a Z. With a Z. It's amazing. Break it's, it down for us. Okay, so Jackie Beat had this crazy, wonderful idea to um, do full episodes of the Golden Girls uh, with uh, her as Dorothy, Sherry Vine as Blanche, Sam Pancake as Sophia and me as Rose. Right. And sent us an email and said, would you guys want to be in, would be, would you guys want to do this? And we're like, how much fun. We'd love to do this. We, um, sort of put together. Then we got Melanie Hutzel on board to, to come in and play a bunch of parts. Right. We did it in August and sold out in record time. We added shows. We did seven shows in a weekend at the Casita del Campo. Holy sold shit. Sold out. You could not get a seat. I remember that. We did three on Sunday. We did a five o'clock, a seven o'clock, a nine o'clock. And we did, we did two episodes word for word. So it's like an hour and a half. Yes, yeah. it is. Cause like, cause the episodes are, were long and we do commercials from the eighties and we do full costume changes and we do the blocking from the show. And I think, I mean, it, there's, there's something that takes over that's above us. There's like a nostalgia factor that people I think watch it and they go, I remember this episode we don't, we're not snarky. We're not, we're not making fun of the Golden Girls. It's coming from such a place of love. So it's not really, um, 
any sort of thing where we go, you know, this is our comment on this. We're going to, you know, make fun of it. And, and, and we all love it so much. And the three of them really, I mean, they know the show way more than I do. And they all do incredible impressions. I mean, right. Jackie tells me <laughs> that my Rose is sort of like Betty White on acid. Right. With a little Carol Channing thrown in. Right. But, um, but I do, I love doing it. It was hard. It's really, really hard to do. Because those ways? lines, well, first of all, you have to be word for word. You cannot yeah. kind of sort of hit the lines. Yeah. The lines are deliberately written. They're brilliantly written. Well, also, the audience knows the, the lines. The audience knows the lines, of course. Yeah. And also, it is it is some of the best sitcom writing in the history of, of yeah. situation comedy. And it's like music. You have to hit every note. Otherwise, it, it sounds wrong. And it And, like, they've made every word choice. Julie Brown's the same way, the way because she, she's such a great writer for TV that she's thought about every word that she's written. So it's not just kind of get the gist of this. Yeah. There are very few times that you can sort of play around with stuff. And so with Golden Girls, every, the jokes are so word-based. And those four ladies, what they did every week is phenomenal because, because they had to learn monologues and I mean like stuff that it, I mean they're they're amazing did you bone up on it by watching episodes we did we yeah, watched yeah. them all together because yeah. we copy the blocking and everything oh, great. the blocking is so it, it's like we realized that like we didn't even need a director when we when we did that because we were like we'll just do what they did on the show because right. the people that remember the episodes will like remember it but also the blocking is I mean how are you going to improve on yeah. that I'm like you're just not is the space so set up to it's, so you it's can... set up to look just yeah. like the you know as much as you can down at the casino yeah. we have half the set is the is the living room and half the set is the kitchen and right we sort of just pretend I and when I talked to Jackie and I saw that show anytime Jackie's in the mix the clo- you got to go there all the way with the clothes you have to you That's cannot half ass it with a no I'm gonna suggest it with a no, no, no. wig Jackie is full on like first of all I would say 80% of the clothes all came from Jackie's closet and she's like I have this I have this she costumed the whole show out of, you know, uh, what she already had. And then, but it's like, yeah, it, it is, um, you can't just, I mean, what I do, I mean, the kind of stuff that Sam and I do, as you know, from like mismatch game and we're sort of like, we do the hag drag stuff where we put on a wig and are crazy. <laughs> and Jackie, every time I do a show with Jackie, she'll look at me and go, I, you're not going to go on stage looking like that. You cannot look like that. And I'm like, no, that's the point. So we sort of are like these different, different creatures. Schools. We yeah. definitely do. With such respect for each other. Yeah. But when I'm on stage next, I mean, Sam can be different as Sophia because Sophia is, is, is older and more, you know, has to be a little bit more dowdy and drab. Yeah. But with Rose, if I'm on she stage, put next together. To, she's put together next to Blanche and Dorothy, who are these legendary drag queens, Jackie Beat and Sherry Vine. I have to step it up, step it up, and I have to actually, you know. So. Well, Jackie, I think she did the podcast, and she described her her B. Arthur outfit, and it was like a blouse over a cowl neck over a, like yes, it's seventeen yes. layers 17 of B. Layer. Yes, exactly, and that's part <laughs> of the thing. And, and everything was backstage. It was like we're going to add. We had to add more commercials so that Jackie could get into her look, yeah. and and because it was like it's funnier. Like she was like, I know it's funnier. The more layers Dorothy has, and she comes out on stage. <laughs> One thing after another, it does make it. And funny. when you guys walk out, there's just applause for like unbelievable a, applause because people feel there. like they're. I, I don't. I think they they're just so excited to see these people in front of them. You can't believe it's happening to the level that it's happening. Yeah, you can't believe that it's not thrown together. That it is, and it was crazy to us because I mean, 
knock on wood, but we last time threw that whole thing together in a week. Yeah, holy shit. And it shit. was crazy. But we put, we spent, you could run. we took time off. Like we yeah. worked it and worked it and worked it. But it was a week of us kind of going, okay. And, um, and I think too, like we genuinely love each other and we have such trust. There's no weirdness. There's no, you know, we know what our, you know, there, there's no stepping on toes and, you would think that these four huge personalities would be nightmarish backstage and we really get along, Yeah, you know, magically. That thing could run forever if you wanted it to. I think, I mean, we're planning on, we've already gotten offers to like take it places and so I think yeah. we're going to like try, I know, so hopefully it will. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What, you do a lot of shows at Casita Del Campo. Yes. I love that place. I, I perform there a little bit, like uh-huh. this thing or that thing, but I love going to see shows there. I love getting the Mexican food. I love mm-hmm. Mr. Dan who runs it. Mm-hmm. If I had like people coming from out of town that had never been here and they wanted to do something L.A. that isn't L.A., I would see what was at Casita Del Campo. Yeah, it's the only place in L.A. that I know of where people go to dinner and will and will say, let's just go see what's playing downstairs. Let's yes. go see. Let's just go. Let's If there are tickets available, we'll go downstairs and see a show. Yeah. And it's so um, uh, insider. Like, it's not the thing that, like, is in anything. Like, no concierge is telling you, you know, Hollywood and Highland, like, go to Casita Del Campo. Like, it's yes. just not a thing. So locals know about it. It's no frills. You cannot believe that there's a theater in the basement of this of this yeah. Mexican restaurant. And there's just something. There's like just these carny ghosts that live down there. That like you get down there and you're like, oh, there's a lot. Yeah. That there's a spirit down there that doesn't feel cynical or about anything but like let's just Put on wigs and have a good time. Yeah. I and I, one of my favorite places to be is seeing a friend show there. Mm-hmm. I feel, I love being a part of that community. I feel, it just makes me feel good. Yeah. And that's fun. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. Climbing up the stairs. Oh, the stairs are a nightmare. I have no idea what's growing <laughs> down there. I might, you know, I, we might all have lungs full of black mold, yeah. but it's fun. It's all awesome. Yeah. Now, when do you, when did you first, like, perform? What was your first performance thing? Ever in my life. Yeah. I was three. Okay. Uh, I was in the Nutcracker with my parents. Awesome. Um, your parents were in the Nutcracker? They were. I, it, was, it was maybe the last time. No, no, no. My my dad and I, when I was in high school, my dad and I did a drag show together, which was one of the best memories That of may my be the life. title of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what my parents weren't really performers, but they, but they were, the Nutcracker was coming through. They did this weird thing where like... It was part ballet. It was like the, the North Carolina Symphony would, would come through, ta- yeah. and they would go to different towns, and they would they would bring they would like incorporate people from the town as as townspeople sure. in the scene. So they would come through. But I guess so the main like Strasselmeyer or whoever the characters are, they were like professionals. But right. then like all the townspeople were locals, so they would put them up at these giant centers, and then so people would go see their friends, their the friends. Show. Awesome. And so it's it it is my earliest memory is when I was three years old doing that show and being with my being like I had and there was a they they cast a girl as my sister which was very weird to me like I was right. like I don't really have a sister so it was my real parents but I had a sister but and I had a baby brother in real life who wasn't in the show so um but I remember um I, we had to be late for the. I was making my parents late for the party, and I had to run out on stage and play with a knot in the wood on the floor. It was a wooden stage, and I had to go out and play with a knot. And my dad has to pick me up and yell at me and scold me for being late. And I remember him. I remember the act of him picking me up in the air and shaking me, and being mad at me. But I knew he was. Ki- I knew he was acting, 
And I could not stop laughing. I, I, I was like, as a, I, I remember laughing full on and I would get laugh and I remember feeling laughs and I was like, oh, this is great. Like this, from the audience. I got laughs and I'm, I'm laughing. You killed. So basically. I'm like, yeah. You kind of killed at three. <laughs> what was the drag show you did with your dad? Then when I was in high school, there was every year in Lincolnton, North Carolina, they did it. They did something called the Cancer Variety Show. God forbid they give it a, a you know a more the polished. Can- you you can do Cancer Variety Show this year. <laughs> yep. And so Not like and the da 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 for cancer. Right. No no no. no. Yeah. Just the Cancer Variety Show. Or exactly. stick for a cure. I, no. No. <laughs> ever. It was just literally that. It was okay. just as it was just so uh, just bluntly named. Okay. And every year they did a uh, there was a theme. So some years it would be hee haw. Or Johnny Carson, or we would do just different themed things. And I would always be in it. And one year it was a beauty pageant with all the men of the town as ladies. Right. And I was the only high schooler in it. And I played the returning queen from last year. Okay. And so so my dad and I both got to do that together. And I remember my dad was completely committed to playing this woman. Like... So many of the men would walk out on stage like, I'm a dude in a dress. And I remember my dad was like, no, I'm, I'm a character. Yeah, I'm, right a, now, I'm, I'm a fucking bevel. I'm, I'm, I, exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, talk about looking like B. Arthur. My dad had this giant wig on. And I just remember being like, I have a picture somewhere of my dad and I doing that together. And That's it's like incredible. one of those amazing memories. And I don't know how I got roped in that year because I was like the, the youngest person by 25 years in the show. But, um, yeah, I was, I had to do that. And I had to improvise that on, they, they threw me out on stage to cover something and they said, go out and give a speech. So I had to improvise that night and I, in front of like 1200 people in my own town. How did it go? I, yeah, I remember being great. I was, but I was terrified. Wow. Like, I remember being like, this is, and then after that I was over, I was like, that's kind of what I want to do. Like I kind of like kind of getting up and doing my own thing. Yeah. You know. The first time I saw you perform, I think, First time I remember it was when you hosted America's Next Top Bottom at the celebration. Oh, right, 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 right. And it was like a parody of America's Next Top Model, and it Uh was like these guys that would compete to be the next bot. I don't know. Right. But you were the host, but you were a character. Yes. What was her name? Trina. Trina. So instead of Tyra, instead of, you know, for America's Next Top Model, we had, they did the show, and it was America's Next Top Bottom, and I was Trina. This down and out single mom. It was a character I've been doing in sketch shows forever. I haven't done her in forever. I miss. I miss her. I love bring her. her back. I need to bring her back. She I think you a, have a one. It has to be one mess. night off that you can go. Yes, to I need to go to Trina somewhere. I know. <laughs> I need to develop because I, she was my favorite. I developed her with my friend Brian Clark. Do you know Brian Clark? I know the name. Okay, yeah. He and I were in Groundlings together, and he yeah. we sort of created these characters together. And um, anyway, so I did, I did that, and yeah, it was such an anti. Well, I think that show was so much fun because I think people went in expecting like dirty sex jokes with the bottom and the title yeah. and. We quickly realized that that just gets tired, and then so it became all about these weird characters. Like, there were all so many weirdos. No, you had to create a character that was. Right. And it was about being like an underdog. Like, the idea of being a bottom wasn't like a sexual term as much as it was like, you know, um, you know, climbing up on and getting on on top of your life kind of a thing. And and everyone was kind of down on their luck in a weird way. And everyone, you know. but I remember thinking you were so funny, so oh, quick on your thank feet. You. And I think it was after that that I was like, hey, would you like to do Miss Match? Oh, that's right. That is when I, that yeah, I started doing Yeah, but it was when right. I first, that was where I first saw you doing your thing. I've always, like, I, it's always the scariest and the most exciting thing to get up and just, and just talk, like, improvise. Like, I love it. I, yeah. I, I, when I got hooked on it, I didn't really study improv until I came out to the Groundlings and when I, when I yeah. moved out here 15 years ago. 
but I always, when I would, when I would get called to do it, it would always be so exciting and, and terrifying to me. But, it, you know, I always had this weird, doing theater and, and um, formal acting, it was never really my glove. You know what I mean? I would, I, I would do it, but I was like, I, I feel like there's something that I'd be better at. And right. that, yeah. But you created your own show, which is a little bit more in the realm of formal acting. Yeah. Bright, oh, the... Bright the, colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Colors. Yeah, that is... It's a one-man show that you do, and you play one character interacting with several other characters. Right. I, these are the... You're, you're sitting in the chairs that I use for the set. I the love show. it. I'm yeah. sitting in the uh-huh. set you're of it. sitting in the set of it. But it's yeah. so brilliant. You, oh. you get an idea of who these people are through just your performance as the one character. And he's kind of one of those awful... People. Yeah, it was, I wanted, I, well, it came to me, the show's called Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, which was what I was, I got a wedding invitation to a, to, um, a straight wedding that asked the guests not to wear bright colors or bold patterns to the wedding. And it was one of those moments of like, I threw it down on the floor and was like, this is a, this is a title. This is a show. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it in context of gay marriage and what we're doing as gay people to each other. And like, we were just talking about the same idea of like, is it going to be an outfest? kind of what we do to each other about like, yeah, I'm gay, but I'm not that gay. I'm not that bright and that bold. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, um, I agree when okay. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> and so the idea of like what we're fighting for with, with, with gay marriage and, and which is ultimately obviously a great thing, but it's like, are we losing, um, a, a need to feel unique and different and our, and our need to be so, accepted and mainstream yeah. and what, we're what doing, are we sacrificing what are we sacrificing and what are we doing to ourselves it's not yeah. what straight people are doing to us it's what yeah. we are doing and i wanted to write a character i basically wrote my dream character that i kind of get to play sometimes but i wanted to write a real mess i wanted to write a big loud unapologetic probably drunk coked out you know gay guy that we don't write a lot i don't yeah. see those characters a lot as gay people, we write fabulous gay people. We write um, hot, hunky dream roles for, you know, these, you know, um, or real super straight acting, whatever that means, gay character. Like, we don't really write these messes, I yeah. don't think. I don't see it a lot. And I wanted to write that because that's what I wanted to play. And I was like, that's what I really want to do. And then, um, so I just did this thing and I was, I'm a part of a solo festival and I was like, oh, I had to be a solo show. And then I was like, it felt more like a play. And it, I don't want it to make a care. Obviously, I want it to be a character. It's not me. So I just wrote a play with three empty chairs next to me. And so I did three other characters that are just chairs that I talk to. So I'm only the one. Are you going to do it again? I am. I'm hopefully going to do it in New York. I've got to get the. I'm so going to New awesome. York in, in the spring. I'm, and if I get the thing to happen in New York, then I'm going to do it in. Like, I'm going to try to do it here before. Yeah. Uh, I don't warm know up. for sure. We'll warm up again. What is What is doing that kind of show? give you do for you well it, i got a chance to do to do way more dramatic stuff than i normally yeah. get to do because it's ultimately a comedy but i got to have a lot of quiet moments and a lot of painful moments and a lot of like go through like that which was really exciting because i never get to do that and i'm very insecure as an actor in that way and i had an amazing director molly prather who just really worked worked me on all that stuff and really simplified me as an actor in a way that like because I'm so used to bits and clicks and wigs and, you know, way, oh, I, I didn't get a laugh for two seconds, so it's bombing. I've got to yeah. get a laugh. You know, and just to relax me into doing that. So it helped me um, and not really worry where the laughs are going and yeah. just sort of be in the, in the 
scene and, and not really to, you know, to get all like actory about it, but like not to, not to worry about the jokes and what's funny and just to sort of, um, so I loved that. I loved it was just a chance to like play a part that I don't get to do. I mean, I get to do a lot of really fun, yeah. crazy stuff. I get to play a lot of crazy women. I mean, that's the thing that I've been sort of put in on stage. And then, you know, when I do, I like a lot of TV jobs are these, you know, you walk in and za 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 goodbye. You know, and what's I don't the get to worst do that. patronizing thing you've heard in an audition? Like that thing of like, can you gay it up without saying, can you gay oh, it right. up? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they'll go. Language, you know, say, how do they say it? They'll say. Um, sometimes they'll go, "Have fun." You know, <laughs> have more fun. I don't know what that means. They're like, you make it more gay. Like I, I never know where the barometer is because I'll go in for some of those things and I think I'm so big, and they'll go. You know, be a little more colorful, more playful. <laughs> you know, this guy is out there. Like they just say these really weird things, and then I'll do other times. I'll go in for like a, or or I'll read it, and and, and, and the line is just like bonbons and fruit tarts and what? Like it's like that, and then I go in there and you know, and I read it to what I think it is, and they go okay. Um, and they act really offended. Like, you're, it, yeah. you're playing it really no, we on have a the glad award. Yeah, Maybe you didn't exactly. see the Glad Award exactly. on the way in. So could you play it like a, like a real person, you know, not make fun of it? I'm like, well, could you write a real gay person that doesn't, you know? Yeah. So there, I never know. That's the thing. And there's a real, you can feel people being really, um, they're very uncomfortable. Like when you go in for a gay part, like a lot of people, they don't know, they don't know, like... There's like, I don't know how to say this, yeah. but, uh, and I never, have, I'm like, just tell me, yeah. you know, bigger, louder, queerer, whatever. I right. don't care. Like, cause I also think too, like, cause I have to, PC and all that of stuff course. Too. And that's just is not funny. I also think for every part that I read, that's just so badly written. So stereotypical. There is someone in the world like that. And I just yeah. have to play it like that. And there yeah. are people in the world like that. And I go, well, that's just the, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. And I have no problem doing that. I know a lot of people, are, you know, have their, you know, their... Yeah, their I won't do this anymore. I won't do this. Like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, I get when you're like, as an actor, if you get to a point where you're like, you just play the same things over and over again. Yeah. But I don't feel like I do. I feel like I get, I'm lucky that I get to play all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that I'm never, I never feel like I'm just pigeonholed into one thing. Yeah. So. Now, when you're an actor, a uh, funny, funny actor going up for a sitcom... Uh-huh. One part can change your life forever. I know. Eric Stone Street. Somebody like that. Absolutely. You can get that and you're off the road. When mm-hmm. you're in the game doing that, how often do you think that? Or, I don't, or you I, can't think that or you I thoughts? can't think that at all. Like, I yeah. can't... Because I used to. Because you could. It's different for writers. You're not... It's not like one job could be a big job. Right. But it's not the life-changing thing that getting yes. on a hit TV show yes. is, I think, I for an actor. It's pretty huge. Right. And you can't think about it. I used to, and in my twenties, I would, I was up for a lot of big things and I used to put the cart before the horse and I used to say, okay, well then now I'm going to get this and my life's going to change. And, uh, didn't get any of that. (laughs) And so, but it was a really good lesson for me to learn to be like, oh, all for me, the success that I've had, it's all come from stuff that I've created and that I've done. And then, you know, my, and then things that my friends have been, have put me in. And, and I think a lot of times my, you know, because of what you create, your friends are able to get you stuff because they can say, like for me, it's my videos that I've made and my friends that are in a position to hire me can do it even more when my videos are hot because they can go, well, he does those videos. Yeah, they can send so, out links. So yeah, so it all works together like that. So I've, I've really, it's been way more grassroots. And so I love that. I love right. that I've had that, 
But I do, yeah, you, every, every time you go up for some, you know, big part, some series regular in a show, you can think, okay, well, this can go. What kind of pool shape am I I know, I know. <laughs> you can think like that, and then it's just like, it, it, you know, and sometimes, you know, you have to sign those contracts to test, and you, yeah. and you can't look at, I mean, I don't look at how much money I would be okay. making, because you, they show you on the yes, contract, they oh, say, shit. here's what you'll be making, here, you have seven years, you'll make this money, your first season, this is second yeah. season, and you sign, like, okay, before you even, when you get to that, that stage that of level, the game, yeah. and it's, it's maddening, it's so hard not to look at all that stuff, because yeah. you think, okay, here it is, here it goes, but I also know... I've just been around long enough that right. I just don't... You get that drummed out of you. you. Yeah, you really do. And and I have to look at that as a good thing and not like a, as a, you know, weary, yeah. been there, done that, battered, you know, um, thing. I don't look at it like that. I look at it like, okay, I look at it like a job, like anything else. Um, but I definitely see that, you know, when people bemoan how much money these actors get paid, I, on the other hand, I go, no, I think they deserve it because you just... You know, all the work you put in going into it. And yeah, yes. there are those people that like, you know, get off the bus from Tupelo and the next yeah. day get a show or whatever. But I, you can't be mad at that either. You can't be bitter about that. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah. So you, yeah, it's that you can't think about it too much or yeah. drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Now you talked about your video things. People know the Chloe uh-huh. videos. Uh-huh. Are you still making those? I am. We have one more that we have yet to put up. Um, and, I, and I'm sure. When Jim and I have a, some moment off, we get it. You know, we get antsy for it again, and we get yeah. let's do more, let's do some more. Of course, they're the Chloe Seventy videos that you make mm-hmm. with Jim Hansen. Mm-hmm. And how many have you done at this point? Oh, God, I have no idea. Yeah. I I want to say around forty. That's amazing. It's something. What's like the that. most popular one? The most downloaded one? The most downloaded one is the birthday one because yeah. I think people post people post it. It was walls. the first one Very that smart. I posted, and I I wasn't. That's the other thing too. I wasn't. The lesson I learned from the doing the Chloe videos was that we made those just for fun. I had zero idea that they would take off. If anything, that was something I was doing on stage for years to very mixed audiences. Audiences would stare at that. I, I bombed. We did more shows times. where you did Chloe. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I remember you're like your Christmas show was a yeah. really fun one, and that right. video is online. You can the the Twelve Days of Christmas oh, Chloe yeah, yeah, videos yeah. online. It's one of the few ones that on stage ones, but like. There were times that I had Chloe on stage and no one liked it. And Jim sat on me for six months to make videos. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll do these. So I had zero idea that they would be a hit. I had yeah. zero idea they'd be the most popular thing I've ever done. Yeah. And they would put me on, on the map or get me indoors. I would have. And they've so, gotten you indoors? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's the People number one People can make thing. the leap from, oh, they can well, do this. Not always. Sometimes <laughs> I wish they would more because sometimes yeah. they go, "We love you. We're such fans of you. We watch your videos in our office. We don't think you're right for anything on our show. <laughs> yeah, we have real. We people. have nothing on. We, we have people on our show, not not freaks. You know, and you're like, yeah, I can play a person, but but it has opened a lot of doors That's and it has got. Awesome. Oh, it's it's the number one, my number one calling card for of anything. That's for amazing. sure, and more you, than anything. And you heard from her. You met her. That I was did a meet her. I, I did meet her, and she was very nice. I mean, she doesn't really see the humor in him and yeah. I understand that I mean it's it's because it's it's not even really her that it's you're making not fun her, of and that's the thing that's like very strange it's it's her world it's her thing but I'm not doing really an impression of her I'm not even trying to do her yeah. I mean the amount of people that send me real stuff about her or they'll send me like you know you gotta see Chloe on such and such show I'm like I think she's a great actor and I think she's interesting I would I don't even look at her and see me anymore like I, they're just so different but the world is the same and Yet she still gives interviews where she talks about. I mean, Chloe Seventy still 
gave an interview where she talked about how obsessed she is with watercress. So <laughs> it's still there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's not out of It's nothing. not her, but it's not. So it's really fun to sort of have that real, that relationship with my character and the persona of the real Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. But the person herself, she was so nice and she was so yeah. cool. And, and I get how she would not really be a huge fan of me and what yeah. I do. Also, like, when my videos, you know, took off and a lot of people were watching them and I'm sure she got tired of people running up to her so excited to meet her just to tell her about my videos. You know, yeah. not to, not about her own work. Yeah. And it's like, she has a Golden Globe and she's an yeah. Oscar nominee. Like, she's got a huge career. Like, you know, I get it. I get it on her side. But, but that, but the lesson I learned from that for me was that like, do what you love and just put it out there and you don't know what's going to be a hit because there, I've been in so many other things that, that people say, this is going to be it. This is going to be your moment. I've gotten, you know, I did a, a, a web series that I love called Hollywood acting studio. And it was something that I loved. And we were told like, that's going to be a huge hit and it had a great following, but I wish more people would see it. You know, yeah. I love it, but I never, I thought this will be a huge thing and yeah. It might, you know, with the internet, things take time, whatever, but it, it just, you never know. I and mean, yeah. you can't make anything with the idea that it's going to be, it's yeah, like, they're like, we're going to go viral with this. No, they, you don't get to decide that. I know. All People the time, always say that. I'll get hired and you know, I'm sure you are too. You get hired like, we need you to write a viral video. And it's like, it's like saying, we need you to make a hit movie. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't know what's going to be a hit. Right. People are gonna, so I think the, the lesson that I learned from that is like, just keep doing what you love and what's funny. And then. You're, the what's meant to be will come to When you. you write a Chloe monologue, how do you figure out which words to Chloe-ize? Um, Film. Oh, yeah. Well, the... the, <laughs> the we come up with topics yeah. first. Well, well, what I do is I collect. I have... I, I go through... You know, I mean, you know, Entertainment Weekly or when I go to the movies or just when I scan something and I see, like, a name, like, Gugu Mbatha Raw. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's a Chloe name. David Oyelowo. David Oyelowo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So then you write those names down and then, and then they're, you know, and then they're, uh, you know, um, just names that just sound really interesting and fun. And then every now and then there'll be just some, some crazy label or you'll see a brand of something and you're like, what is that? Or, or it'll be like, you know, um, You'll go to a, you know, one of those boutique places and they'll have like hand crumpets or something so strange. You're like, what is that? And it's just a muffin. Yeah. You know? And so then you just write all these things down and, or for, I, I, I make keep a list and then I have a lot of people that send me funny things too that I just sometimes will take. And then we come up with an idea, like a topic, like yeah. birthdays, birthdays Valentine's or Valentine's Day. or whatever. Yeah. And then, so then I sort of, we, we come up, sometimes it's a narrative, like a story, like I'll tell a story through yeah. it. Sometimes it's just like, um, tips for how to do something. Yeah. And then it always devolves into name dropping and that's yeah. just the thing. That's the and thing. then we just, and then the very last thing we do is decide how I'm going to pronounce Val- Valentine's D or, <laughs> uh, D's or Toest or whatever. I love when you just take a random mundane word and make it something else. Yeah, Toast was a was Toast. a was a real gem. That was a real nice find because when people they're like that's that might be the the like my favorite one and the people yeah. in the yeah. But, you know. Now, what do you like about teaching? Um Do you like it still? I love it. I love it. It's for me it uh, it's three and a half hours where I'm not thinking about myself, where I'm focused on other people, and I'm and I'm. Do you do it a at, week? 
at the Groundlings. Three and a half hours a week? I'm not right now. I, I, I Normally, I teach at the Groundlings. I'm not right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm off. I'm probably going to start a, a new class in February. But um, I, I do uh, usually twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Um, and um, just depending on... And a session is three and a half hours? A, a class is three and a half yeah. hours. And, and then the session is always, it's always 12 classes with the same group. So right, it's three okay. and a half, it's 12, three and a half hour classes. Right. And so it's either once a week or twice a week, depending on how they schedule it or whatever. And so I usually just do one class at a time, which is what I prefer when I can do that. I can focus on that group of people. Yeah. And I just, it's, it, it blows my mind every time because it's improv and I get, I see how different people, you know, we get the same games, the same suggestions and how it is always different. It's snowflakes. It's just, it's crazy how people, how their brains work and, I love improv so much and I love like how that you just can start with nothing and create an entire, it's, there's some magic to that. And I love watching people do that. I love just, and I love helping people and I love sort of figuring people out and go, Oh, this is what makes you laugh and let me make you more of that. And I love, and I can sort of see that. And, um, I learn so much from doing it and I really do. Do you ever get random people in your class that you've never thought you would be there either like famous like, people, like Julie Brown, like Julie Brown, yes. or else like, or somebody that works in an office and oh, is yeah. a president that just wants to get fun or something. Absolutely. That's another thing I like teaching at the uh, improv at the Groundlings is it's not a flat, it's not just an acting school with just all actors who want right. to just sit around and, you know, make t- shapes and tell stories like right. what I do. But there are people that are, yeah, that are like, I'm, uh, I have to do a lot of public speaking and I'm very nervous in front of a crowd. I want to get over my fear of that. Or, um, you know, I'm, you know, people like people whose kids have gone away to college and they have extra time and they want to learn a new, they've something they've always wanted to do. Right. Um, and those people can sometimes be the, the best people in the class because they're just there to learn and they don't have any sort of like career aspirations and they don't freak out when they have a, when they have a bad day, they're just there to play. And I love where they come from because they will, they have, they have such a wealth of information and they also, a lot of people in those situations, they don't think they're funny. And so they go into a class to like, and they find out that they are hilarious. They're like, they have this closet comedian in them that that's like really hilarious. And cause they just, they're just playing the game. They're just doing the things and they, you know, they come up with really interesting information because improv is not really about jokes. It's really about listening and connecting and just like finding something together. And an audience likes when you've genuinely created something in front of them, yeah. as opposed to thought of something ahead of time that's funny. Now, you popped up in some fun stuff online, the, the um, Disgustings. Is yes. that available for viewing online? I think so. I feel like it was, but maybe I I think it's it. on Vimeo. Yeah, it's you a Vimeo short film. Disgustings. That's Jordan Firstman's film yeah. that I'm going to end with him. You play, play like the an most awful person. horrible people, <laughs> dead inside, emotionally deceased people. Yeah who um, spent a day in L.A. around beautiful environment and beautiful yeah. people and were just miserable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really fun. And um, are you in this web series, um, Go Go Boy Interruption? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just Jimmy started Fowley. watching that. Yeah, yeah. Love, love, love him. I just saw him earlier today. Yeah. We did a show together last night. I love Jimmy. Um, great. I could get him on the podcast. You've got to get him on there. He's so fun and he's so great. And he's has such an interesting story. And yeah. He's got a lot of, of just amazing things to share. And he's so funny. Um, and unique and unlike anybody I, I know, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Fallon, but this show is about a go-go boy who turns 30 yeah. and is too old to it's, be a go-go yeah, boy. That's it. And, and just his, and, and also just like 
has a drug problem and a drinking problem, and yeah. and I play a terrible basic bitch drag queen named Anxiety. Yeah, and um, just like she's just I love the name Anxiety because I was like that's that's the extent of yeah. what, and also I'm in full drag the entire show, but I, you never see me perform. Yeah, like I never do a number. I never have any sort of talent. Yeah, I'm just an awful right. mean. Um, and I also say that I used to be a go-go boy and then yeah. I became a drag queen. So I just have this, I, who knows what I story, but that story. But that came out relatively recently, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That came out this past yeah. year. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a whore. I'll do everything as much. I love it. Well, I was I talking can. to Coco Peru about this and she said some of the best things she got out of her career were things that came out of that weird random thing that was a little question marky going in. So yes. you don't know. If you're if you're saying no to the gig that could open the door to the other things, no. how do you know? You just you do, don't. You and do I everything up, you can. I end and up doing it out exactly. I end up doing a lot of crap that yeah. I later look at and go, "Oh God, I probably shouldn't have done that," or whatever. But I have way less of that than I do things that I've been surprised about how good they are or how interesting they are. Or, or who things, you met from it. You just or who you fun. meet. Exactly. And that's the great thing. So I always encourage people to say yeah because there's so many people that sit around and wait for the phone to ring and then when it does, they go, eh, this isn't exactly what I thought. This isn't the best job or I don't really think this is funny on the page. Some things are not funny on the page and you get there and they are amazing and you just don't know. I mean, you never know. Yeah. And I also think too, like... I, it, it, it's there's the, there's a thing too that's just evolution. If something's not good, it'll just go away. Yep. Like no one's going to keep showing a video that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and they're yeah. like, look how bad this is. Right. Look what it, how embarrassing this is. I mean, you know, unless you're going to make a sex tape or something yeah. like that. But it's like if you're doing if you're doing comedy or internet or whatever, it's like you you're better off saying yes and doing it if you have the afternoon free to do it. Yeah, do it because I found. I've got, I mean, go, go interrupted. I mean, I love Jimmy and I'll do anything Jimmy asked me to do, but I, he was like, would you come do this thing? And, and, um, and, and I had no idea the scope of it. I had no idea how, how great it was going to be and actually yeah. how poignant it was. The Disgustings was another one that yeah. the way Jordan shot that, that movie ends like really sadly and, and it's deep and it's, and it's, and it's like, God, this is way different from what I thought going yeah. into it. That final so, shot of him final is Final shot is really amazing and yeah. really like, oh God, this says a lot more in its mind than just being snarky gay people yeah. in a room. So you never know. And, and so it's like, I think, you know, you're better off doing it than saying, than saying no. Cause those, those people too always, always say to me, I wish people would ask me to be in things. No one asked me to do things. I'm like, well, people don't know that you're interested or available. They don't know what you do. You have to just keep putting it out there. You have to keep putting it out there. Yeah. Um, a lot of your characters, like the Disgustings, is that what they're? Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's an anger to them. You do that yeah. well. But you don't <laughs> seem like an angry person in real life. Oh, I'm so angry. No, um, I think angry people are fu- really funny. And I think that... Um, there is, to me, there's always, I, I think angry people that aren't aware that they're angry are funny. I think yeah. that the, the lack of awareness is what makes it funny. If they're, they're aware that they're angry, then it's, then it's either, then it's a tragedy. Then it's right. like, or, or you hate them. You're like, oh, you're awful. And you know, you're awful. Yeah. But if they're unaware, I think that the unawareness is what makes them interesting and that they think they're really evolved or they think they're really interesting. And then underneath it all, they're just really insecure and, and upset. Um, and then also I feel like I'm, I'm very sensitive a lot more than I give off. And I, it's an exorcism for me to play these people that like, I feel like have been like 
mean to me or I see mean to others or if I see that, like, I can't stand. It's sort of exposing the thing you hate. Yeah. You're exposing Yeah. That. Like, I, I mean, Jordan and I, we create, I mean, the Disgustings was really, it was born out of, like, us being at parties and going, can you believe that that guy just said that? That's Sometimes horrible. you can't even believe the way and people you know, are. And people do. And it's that yeah, thing yeah, where yeah. you go, and I, and I loved, I love playing that. I, I like, I, I, I aim to be a nice um, cool person in real life, but I never want to play that on camera. Right. You know, you like I never want to play. I never want to play a likable. That's why I don't ever really care about being a lead in anything. Because yeah. I'm like, nah. I want to be flawed. I want to be, <laughs> be flawed. I do. I love it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, if the phone could ring tomorrow with a dream gig, what would it be? Oh God, that's such a great question. Um, I think it would be. A number three on the call sheet on a on a sitcom. Number three on the call sheet. Do you know what I mean? That yes. part. I want to be number three. I don't. I don't really ever think. And it's not like a, you know, dream big. It's like that's to me like that's sort of the the fun. That's that fun role. Yeah. Like a Kramer part on you know yeah. or you, you know the Jack on Will and Grace or one of those roles that you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's really. That would be the 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 dream the dream gig. Number three. Number I like three. that. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. I have this thing called the observation deck with fun random questions. Oh, I great. Heard, I forgot to do it before. Oh, my God. So I'm going to pause the tape and we're going to look through a few and then we're going to come back and do okay. that. Okay. 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 Good, okay. good, good. All right. Drew has taken some questions from the observation deck. But first I want to ask you about the Old Navy commercial you did with Amy Poehler recently. Oh, yeah. it's so fun to see you in that. Oh, my God. That was so awesome. Yeah. To get to do. Um, I love her so much. It, it was all because of her. I got to improvise for 12 hours with it. She, she recommended me to be her co-worker because it was a different setup. Originally a commercial, I was, you know, it was just going to be all on her and I can't believe, I mean, she's notorious for remembering people and knowing people and like, yeah. and she was a teacher at UCB and she's a champion of improvisers and right. all that. But to be where she is and the amount of people that she must meet every day, and I don't really know her that well at all. I mean, I mean, I worked together in her with her like five years ago and I guess we have mutual friends and stuff, whatever, but like she totally remembered me and threw me in to be her coworker in the commercial and to get, I had 12 hours of improv with Amy Poehler and it was, I, I, that, that talk about a dream job. That was one. I was like, I could do this all the time. And she kept it so fun. And the spot was kept, the the spot kept changing. And on commercials, it's like, there's a lot of tension. Everyone's really nervous. There's a lot of money. Yeah, involved. we gotta get it. Yeah. Gotta get it. Gotta yeah. get it. We have it all today. We have a celebrity here. We have her for X yeah. amount of time. And she set the bar. It was the most relaxed set. It was so much fun. It was so easy. And it was all because of her. Because she just rolled with everything. And she's such an improviser. She's like, well, let's try this. Okay, no problem. We'll try this. That didn't really work. Okay, maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I just... So you love her. her. She I kind of bumped her. you up and gave you yeah, more to I mean, do. Yeah, she gave me more to do. And it was all on her to just say, what about... Um, and Jonathan Krizzle directed it, who does yeah. um, Portlandia and all those shows. And he's amazing. So it was just like a fun... Was there one total riff that you guys went off on that you are like, I we, wish somebody could see oh my this, God. but it's never going to see the light went, of day? So we got so deep with who our characters were. And we started to <laughs> we started improvise. And we knew... Because you were was, in a fast food restaurant, right? We were at like a, yeah, like a like Chipotle kind of yeah. place. And so we created... Her name was Jen. Yeah. And she was just this sad woman that worked there. And I was this weird guy that, like... We just this, we were just these miserable people. Yeah. And I labeled that she slept in the walk-in closet. And then she kept... And I kept talking about... 
like I, all these lies. Like I had to drive my grandmother to the dentist or something. Like why I couldn't cover for her, and then yeah. she, she just kept like we just kept doing these weird. We just had this crazy relationship with each other. We both were complete losers, and we knew it wasn't going to make it because it had nothing to do with old navy. Yeah, but it was it was. It was really fun. No, are the the suits and the the old navy people going? What's happening here? Or what? Or did everyone feel like she's? I think she everyone. Knows what is, she's she's doing. such a she's such a pro who's been so proven. I mean, she's and one she's of done few a few people. of those before. She's done a few of them before. And I think when you're at her level, when you're like you've been trusted to like host the Golden Globes, yeah. and you're uh, you have your you know you're huge, not only a star but a respected one. Yeah, and I think. I, I don't know if anyone was freaking out. If they yeah. were, they weren't letting on to it because she wasn't freaking out. Well, probably they were cracking up. They were cracking like, up. We've got more here, than and they we were like, "We have way more than we need." They even put their their deleted scenes on on YouTube. Of oh, us really? Doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to you watch. Can, you can watch stuff. Yeah, so you can yeah. see us doing. There are a couple things that we're doing together, and they, they they put up, and so it just added more buzz for them. And and they were used to. I mean, like their whole campaign is like actresses. They Julie Louis yeah. Dreyfus is, yes. is doing them now. Yes. and then um, Melissa McCarthy did them before. Yeah. And, so they, they, their whole shtick is like, let's get funny ladies. And let them do their thing. And let them do their thing. I love so, it. Yeah. All right. So you picked some questions from okay. the observation deck. Yes. What you got? Okay. Um, describe your most unfortunate haircut. Okay. Okay. I've had so many with my crazy <laughs> hair, which is pretty much a wig anyway. Um, I had, I, in third grade, I had a rat tail that went like halfway down my back. And it was so gross because I can't really grow hair that long. So it was so thin and disgusting and trash. I mean, like a rat tail in <laughs> third grade that I insisted on having. And then I had... Did your parents try to talk you out of all it? All the or? time. The yeah. entire time I had it. And it was yeah. awful. It was so gross. And it just... I mean, like, it's bad enough when you can grow it that long. But when it's, like, wispy and curly and horrible... Yeah, um, it's bad enough to have a rat tail but have a bad rat tail. And I was, like, a preppy kid. So, like, I, I, I wasn't even... It wasn't like I was wearing... Would you try to make sure it was in pictures? Would you pull it uh, around? Yeah. No. I had it around, like... It was so gross. But, like... I still wore like polos and stuff, That's so okay. it just didn't it didn't work at all. Okay. Like all right. I wasn't if I was wearing like a Slayer t shirt yeah. and I was like I'm trash, yeah. it'd be different. But I was like, no, I'm this. Okay, um, yeah. So that was probably it. I also had a really unfortunate bowl cut from like eighth grade through my sophomore year in college. Okay, so yeah, there was that. That that was a long a time. Bowl cut, <laughs> so bad, so bad. And I was really chubby, and I had like uh, just this. It was, it was awful. Um, let me see. What does your family think of your success? Um, they don't really think I'm successful. I mean, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they think what's I mean, success? They're kind of like, I mean, my family loves, well, there's such love there. They really love me. So there's never that, like, you know, you're a loser. But, and, and they are, I mean, like, this time was very different. I feel like this, this I was back home for the holidays, and they were very conscious to, um, to be like, wow, you're really doing great out there. And which was cool to hear because like, I felt that, but they don't, they're way more into like what all my friends are doing. And for me, they're like, uh, cause I'm not really funny around my family and I'm, they don't find me that funny. So like, I think the idea that they think I'm out in Los Angeles doing comedy is really scary for them. Like they're just worried that yeah. I'm going to, it's not that funny. Right. It doesn't do funny stuff. That yeah. I'm going to be, then yeah. turn into Rene Russo and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, which, I mean, hey, it might be yeah. fine. Um, right, let's see. Um, what's a voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? Um, I, oh God, I have to say it was, it was such a milestone for me when I got 
this is so whatever. Um, when I got the audition for Saturday Night Live, it was Holy it was shit. it was one I kept on my phone for almost a year, and then I had to let it go. And then I had to like have a moment and delete it. Yeah. Like, you have to let go of this. When would that have been? It was almost ten years ago. Wow, it was, it was like eight or nine years ago, and. Um, but it was just such an awesome, um, yeah, I, I, um, Steve Higgins, who's this great, who's, who's on, he's actually on, um, Jimmy Kimmel now. Okay. He's his sidekick on the show. Okay. He was on Saturday Night Live and, um, he's who left me the message and it was just a lovely, exciting message. And it was more than to be on Saturday Night Live. It was just the vote of confidence of like, Hey, we, you know, like what you do and you're doing the right thing. And. When I would have a bad day, I would just go and listen to it. Even though I knew I wasn't doing SNL, like yeah. in the season when I was clearly not. It was, yeah. So it was never like, but then I had to find it. So it, it didn't become like, oh, that thing that didn't happen. It no, I had to message. switch it very quickly because that was one of my like dreams since I was 13. Yeah. And I had to let go of that in a, in a really, I had to let go of it in a positive way as opposed to like freaking out, like, why yeah. am I not on it? And, but that message, it was weird because when I got the message, it was just like, wow, I'm, I'm, they like what I do. Yeah. I'm in, the, I'm in the game. So that, that's really how I had to look at it. And yeah. I would listen to it every now and then when I have a bad day or like a really bad audition, I would go and I would listen to the message and I would just be like, well, they liked me for a minute there. So I guess what I'll was the going. audition like? Did you go to New York? Yeah. You, yeah. And you, you do like you do the audition three things on the in front stage. of Lauren. You do. Yeah. You do it in front of everybody and like a giant table of, of suits. Like in the Cold Hearted Snake video. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly like that. Uh, And, um, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was really, it was, you do it on the set, like on the stage. That was the other really daunting thing is you walk, you walk out and you're like there. Yeah. Um, but what I was blown away by was how nice everyone was. And, uh, at least to your face. I don't care how, if they're awful behind it. They were really nice. They were really kind. And they were, they actually laughed a lot more than you hear that they do in the audition. They, they stay quiet, I think on purpose to, to get a clear, to get a good tape. I mean, no one's like screaming, laughing during yeah. an audition, which, cause that's the thing that throws everybody that you go to an audition and it's quiet and you're like, Oh, I'm bombing. But they, I think that's an intentional thing that they do. But it was, it was amazing to get to, to get to do that. It felt like, it, it felt like a dream to get to like fly up there and then go and. Do they fly you or do you have to fly yourself? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. And they put you up and then you're not, you're there. And Where I was there with a bunch up? of, um, they put us up in a hotel right around the corner from 30 Rock. Oh my God. I would know it. The Flat Hotel. That's the I name love of it. it. And, 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 um. And I think they still do people because I think somebody last year was saying the same place. And I was like, it's so funny that they do that. But it was a lot of LA people that year that went. So we were just there together and it was just, it was, um, a really intense four days of just like, Oh God, I, you know, how many did you go? Did you do one audition or did they bring you back? I only did one audition. Yeah. And, um, when did you find out? I didn't find out officially until like a week before. The, the I, it was, started. So you were started. on the you were on the hook for a while. I was on the hook for a while, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that some people find out right away, some people get hired right away, and then some people don't hear. Um, that show everybody has a different story there. I mean, yeah. like that was the year Kristen Wiig got on, and like four or five episodes in, they didn't hire her right away. They didn't so, which I love that they were really sure about her. Like we're not really sure. You know about you know about somebody who ended up being like the huge. huge What's star it like the in the Groundlings world when somebody blows up? 
it's weird because that sometimes you see everybody for who they are when that happens. Because like when somebody blows up, you see the people that are really excited for them and really happy for them. And you see the people that get really weird and you know, but it's ultimately good for everybody. That's the thing that people don't realize. It's like, it's ultimately like, Oh, more people are going to come around here and your association when you're the person next to you does well, you're going to do well because you know, um, and my God, you work so hard in the Groundlings. By the time you get to perform at the Groundlings, when anybody gets anything, you should only be happy for them. I mean, there are people that pe- you know you have a personality issue with, and that's different. But when people's just begrudging someone's success because they got something, they, yeah, it's they, so gross. It's it like them. they work hard. so hard, and everybody works so hard there. Yeah. And I mean, like that's the thing that people don't even realize. They sort of they always paint the story of like just showed up and the Groundlings put them on stage right away. And then the next, the, you know, the, a week later they were on SNL and it's like, no, try six, seven years of, of hard work, no pay and doing that. And then, you know, so there you go. There you go. All right. That's a good, good one. Yeah. Um, what do your friends worry about with you? I, my friends worry that I don't like take a break. They're always telling me to like calm down and take a nap and chill out and not do so much. Right. But I love it. Like even I'm, when you're working or teaching, but even in your personal life, you're going to a movie, you're done. Yes. My friends are like, you need a break. You need to take a nap and sleep. Go yeah. get some, you know, and I, and I know that, but I feel like that's what keeps me going. I mean, yeah. the holidays are the most depressing time in the world for me. And it's not because stops. it stops and it's not because I have a horrible relationship with my family or I'm really sad and alone. I hate nothing to do. I'm happier when I'm busy. I, the thing is I complain a lot and I lean on my friends a lot. I complain about being busy and then they hear a lot from me. I go, yeah. I have to do this. I have to do that. So of course their knee jerk reaction is, you know, yeah. chill out. Right. Okay. And I think they, you know, okay. You know, I don't know, but right. that's a good one. Uh, what's the worst costume or uniform you've had to wear for work? Oh my God. I've worn so many horrible things. <laughs> I, well, I, the first thing that pops to mind is, when I was, um, I worked at the seafood department at a grocery store when I was after my freshman year in college at the Winn Dixie in North Carolina. Wow! And I had to wear this the most. I was really overweight, and I had to wear this giant seafoam green like poncho thing and like a hairnet, and it was it was the most dis- the most disturbing thing for a nineteen year old to have to wear. Yeah, and, and you smelled like fish. Were you throwing like fish, fish around? Throwing fish. I was throwing fish, honey. <laughs> I was cleaning croakers. Wow. I had to learn how to clean fish. I, I, you know, every Wednesday morning we had to scoop up the zesty crab salad. Wow. Which is as disgusting as it sounds. Right. My boss was this woman named Mama Jan who weighed about eighty pounds and she was chain smoking camels unfiltered. It was a crazy summer. And <laughs> it was I think a crazy about, summer. And, and I and I and I think about. That I, I have pictures of me dressed like that. And I was like, my family had moved away. So I was living with a friend who was a cop in Lincolnton. So I was living with a police officer who had a much younger girlfriend. So the three of us were living together and I would go to work at the Winn-Dixie. That was my summer after my freshman year in college. Wow. And, Where'd um, you go to college? Wake Forest. Okay. In North Carolina. Yeah. So, so what's something you can't or can eat because of that job? Like, oh, I learned to love this, or I never oh, want to see that again. yeah. I, um, yeah, I have a real... Well, first of all, I I learned to like fish more, because I wasn't really a big yeah. fish person. And I actually, believe it or not, 
it was so clean there. Like, I yeah. realized, I was like, oh, we have to keep it crazy clean here. Yeah. Like, if, if, you know, if anything. If it's, oh, also the thing I learned was, like, if it smells like fish, it's it's bad. Like, get it out of there. It shouldn't, things shouldn't smell like fish. So anything that has, like, a crazy fishy smell, like, I can't do. Um, but then also I was really overweight and I always used to eat a lot of cakes from the yeah. bakery. Yeah, they were right next door. They were right next door. And I would go and just get, like, a cake. and be like, I'm going to finish it later. So, like, bakery, <laughs> grocery store bakery, I can't eat that. Yeah. I really can't do that because I got sick on that. Yeah. And, it, and it brings back, like, a lot of like, yeah. emotions. I get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. So, what else do you got? Um, oh, I think that's it. Hold on. Let me see. What else do I have? Oh, that's okay. Where's the strangest place you've ever been recognized? Oh, that's a good one. Um... I don't... Okay, so I think what comes to mind is... It was... Yeah, I was... I... When I... Um, right after college, I went and did summer stock theater in Kentucky at this 900-seat outdoor theater called the Jenny Wiley Theater. And it was insane. We did these... We did, like, Greece and Oklahoma, but we also did an original play called The the um, the Legend of Jenny Wiley. And okay. it was Waiting for Government. It was that. Okay. Unironically. Like, it thought it... Yeah. yeah. thought it was Les Mis, and it was three hours. So we would do these for these people in this town in Kentucky, in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and we were stars. And they told us, we had a security meeting the first day, and they said, you guys are stars to these people. And do not tell them where you're staying. Um, Do not invite them back to the cabins. Don't engage with them. And we were kind of laughing it off. We're like, we're doing weird theater for the, you know, but... You're the Jolie Pitts of... (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And... And I wasn't a lead in anything. I was a fifth, you know, uh, soldier on the left in each right. show. I was I was like a, one of the, like, you know, Burger Palace boys in Greece. Like, I had no lines in this thing, you know. Yeah. And so we did that for the whole summer, and we were, had to be very ca- cautious. And we'd get in trouble if we invited anybody back, any of the townies back. And it was the dirty dancing for summer. A year later, I was in Santa Monica waiting tables. And this man had a Kentucky uh, baseball hat on. And I went up to the table and I said something about like, oh, you're from Kentucky. And the man looked at me and said, you played in them outdoor movies at Jenny Wiley. And he remembered me and he called them outdoor movies. And he completely remembered me and flipped out. I had to take a picture with him. And he, and he was in Santa Monica, California. He, I guarantee you there were famous people in the restaurant. Yeah. And he didn't, it didn't matter. But because I was... At a, a theater at his, you know, in his hometown, he flipped out. That's like amazing. And that was the first time I ever got recognized yeah. by anything for anything I'd ever done. And it was really a bizarre feeling. Like, yeah. I didn't know how to handle it. Like, I was like... Were your oh, co-workers yeah, was, like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, and I... Oh, because it became a huge thing. And he yeah. made a huge announcement. <laughs> and he was like, this boy is going to be a star. And I'm like, you don't know that, sir. Like, you saw me do nothing. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Sure. But, but thank yes, you. But thank you. It's absolutely yeah. true. Just so you know. So can I get my ship covered <laughs> yeah. so I can go to that audition? Yeah, I exactly. love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Sam Pancake, who you do a lot of work with, is yes. another friend, is also yes. from the South. Yes. Is that a thing you... Sh- is there a bond it's, there? Yeah. Is there something there for you two? Yeah, for sure. We have a lot of similarities. We both grew up in Presbyterian church. We talk a lot about that. I mean, yeah. Sam's dad was a minister. They switched to Methodist church, but I grew up... Presbyterian and I went to a Methodist youth group, so and they're very similar. So we have a lot of that in common, and just our uh, attachment with, a lot with like Southern women that we grew up with that yeah. we really tap into that we know, and just like that 
the way we were raised of, of, um, you know, not to be too proud and all that stuff that's wrapped up in us and the things that we've had to deal with, our issues, I think we really see a lot. Yeah. You know, and being, and both being big personalities in small towns in the South and, and, and being these, you know, you know, big loud gay clowns when it's like, don't act like that. Don't yeah. be that way. Like you're grown up kind of like, we love you, but go in the other room. So the, the towns that you were in were similar enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, I mean, he's from West Virginia and I'm from North Carolina, but yeah. there's, so there, there's some, some differences there, but we have a lot of, of that, that we, that we share with each other of, yeah. you know, yeah. And we both grew up loving like movies and, and it was such a fascinating world. So I think we're both, we have moments. I mean, Sam even will say like, I can't believe I get to do this with my life. And I have that too. And I think we both have that. So we're very attracted to the whole world. Whereas I don't think we have an entitlement to it. That yeah. Some people, you know, are like, well, I was born a star and here I am. I'm yeah. like, for me, I'm like, oh my God, it's so cool. I get to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So. I, that was going to be my last question. Is, is there something that you've done in your work or in your life that if your 13-year-old self saw it, it would have blown their mind? Yes, there are, there are a lot. I mean, first of all, working with Julie Brown yeah. is a huge thing. Um, getting to meet Charles Bush and getting to do one of his plays and like, and sort of, and, and, and knowing him kind of peripherally. I've loved him ever since I was a teenager. Um, what show did you do with him? I didn't do a show. I did one of his, I did a, a play that he wrote. I did his part in a play. Oh, awesome. But then I've met him outside of that and, and have gotten to know him not well, but peripherally right. you know, via Facebook and I've, I've done a show with him in New York and I just have loved him forever. And, um, and then a, a month ago, the number one for me was that I got to interview John Waters and getting to talk to John Waters in person was just like, I didn't, I was such a mess. Like I was so nervous. What did you interview him for? For Frontiers magazine. Oh, fun. For just a blurb about his show, but Stephen Horbelt, I'm, I'm writing for Frontiers now and he was like, I love your stuff when it pops know, up oh, in thank there. Thank you. It's just, I get to write fun, silly, crazy stuff, but he's. He said to me, I know you don't normally interview the celebrities. That's not your, your sort of gig here, but would you want to do this one? And I was like, I, I want to do it so much. And I was so nervous. I almost canceled last minute. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to him. He's my, he's everything. I mean, I was didn't it a phone or in I was on the phone Yeah, and, um, he's so lovely and has done 8 million interviews. And I mean, no one knows how to do an interview better than he does. And he just, he was so respectful. Cause my line of questioning was like, here, here, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Cause I was, I, I lost my mind getting to talk to him on the phone, but I, but for like 20 minutes to, to have just the two of us, I couldn't believe it. Like that is a thing that I, the 13 year old in me would be like, you're never going to ever meet yeah. that person. And that's know. so cool. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, I do. I have to, I have to like hold on to those cause those are few and far between those moments of just like, wow, I get to, what keeps you going? Do you have a thing like a, something you say to yourself or a, I think performing live and just, and just getting to get up in front of people and, and play and, and create new stuff is what keeps me going. Cause it's just, it's, it's a never ending well of, of joy. I mean, I can get to where I hate meetings. I 
hate them. And I can get miserable in rehearsals and I can get like, I hate all of that. And I hate talking about it and, blah, and the back and forth and the emails about it. But when I get up and do it, it's like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I mean, that's what keeps me going. You have great email etiquette, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're always very enthusiastic. Oh my and God. You always thank get you. back right away when I reach you out to you. About like, you're like, yes, you do you too. Always, it's a tone that makes me feel like, oh, he's into it. It's good. I'm so happy. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, no, but you are too. That. You're really great about like, you're very clear. Email etiquette is a, is a course that should be like, like yeah. forced on people. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I have a friend who. Is a good producer at making things, but his emails are endless, and you're oh, like, God. okay, it's a lot to deal with. Um, or the one-word ones that really make me crazy. Or the ones that are like a lot of misspellings yeah. and grammatical errors. They seem like they're annoyed <laughs> to yes. talk to you, like to reply back, and they just can't. And you're just like, you seem really chaotic right now. Yeah. I thought I had another question, and I forgot it. Shit, it might come to me. We're talking about things that would blow your mind. Oh, no, I think we got it. I think we got it. Okay. Fuck. I feel like there was something. I don't even know. Yeah. All right. I'm going to cut that part out where I'm walking okay. at the end. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll let it maybe go. Not. Maybe you know, let we're it go. improvising. We're improvising. How often do you say that at the end of classes? I do. Oh my God. I've been so many shows. I'm like, well, where it went. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's over. It's over. You can't do anything about it. Uh, how can people learn more about what you're up to? Follow you. Follow me on Twitter at Drew Drogi. Do you like to tweet? I love, I love it. I don't really, I usually just, I'll tweet like maybe one funny thing a month. No, yeah. once a week, maybe I guess. Yeah. But like, uh, I'm not a regular Twitterer. Yeah. Um, mainly because I think my form is longer than 140 characters. Yeah. I like to put it on Facebook because I really, when I vent, yeah. you've seen some of my rant. My I favorite, rant. my favorite vent was yours of like, first of all, everybody calm down about Into the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud when you said that. I know. that A movie that like has been more like just just completely raked over the coals than anything else this year and i'm like there's so by a certain many, type of gay men you yes, who i don't know what a certain age. Movie, what they were expecting to see yeah. i don't know what they wanted otherwise i'm like just go go rent the bernadette peters into the woods that's what you want to see go see that yeah anyway i have i'm so opinionated about so many other things but i just i got had it i had up to here with my with people's irritation of that movie, and I love what you had to say about people's year in review things. Yeah, yeah, people people are great. People have used people are so mad at Facebook on Facebook. Like they're like, dear Facebook, how dare you? Yeah. It's like then get off Facebook. Yeah, like if you're gonna put it. Also, if you're gonna share something with the world, I think it's something that people don't realize. I think when you when you um when you realize that when you put something up and people see it. Like, it's actually creating something. Like, people don't realize on Facebook, like, everyone's kind of a celebrity in that way. Everyone on Facebook, in your own way, if you follow them, you see them. So, they don't realize that, like, celebrities have to learn. Like, if they say something, they have to answer for it. People are going to respond to what they say. If they do something, if they're rude, they have to be way more aware of their behavior and, and what they put out there. And I think people on in Facebook don't realize that. When they post a picture or they say something, that... It's out there. It lands. Facebook, it and, lands and, on people. And also, like, Facebook Year in Review, they send it to you and say, hey, here's a collection of your most popular pictures this year. Do you want to post it? And you can clearly just say no and not post it. But if you're going to post it, then you have to own what it said. I don't know. It's just one right, of those Right, right, things. right, right. No. People love to be victims of things that they don't have to be. It's like, just yeah. say no. Yeah. And it's also, I love the people that are like, I'm going off Facebook. I'm going off. Right. I, I, I can't. I, know, I do I it. I know. And then two weeks later, they're like. I know, they're back. exactly, they're back. They're real, they, it really has oh. a thing. 
And they just, they want you to share in their misery. And then like when they're over it, they don't want you to bring it up. It's like, how dare you bring up? It's like when it's like, if every picture you posted this year was of some horrible tragedy in your life, then that's what Facebook's going to assume was your year. And then they're going to go, okay. And then you're going to go, I don't want to be reminded. How dare you? I'm like, you shared it. Like, I have a bunch of horrible things that happen to me all the time, and I don't put it on Facebook if I don't want people to exactly, to it. Exactly. Uh, the gout of July. <laughs> 28,000 posts. All right, Drew, I think you're so awesome. You're Love so you for awesome. doing this. You, Thank Dennis. you so much. Thank and you. Uh, go follow and see all of Drew's stuff. Are your shows listed anywhere? Yeah, I put them up. I'm, I'm going to be better this year. I'm going to about putting them on my website, okay. drewdroggy.com. Or also on Twitter. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Bye. My thanks again to Drew Drogi. You can get tickets for the Golden Girls, which are selling fast, as well as Homecoming Queen's Got a Musical in L.A. at cavernclubtheater.com. And um, learn more about him at drewdrogi.com. Okay, so now for my new feature. Um, I'm going to do something at the end of every podcast called So This Happened, which is I just tell some story that happened in my life that I think you might find interesting. Um, And sometimes I'll say it like, so this happened, or sometimes I'll say it like, so this happened. Um, and the first one is, uh, so this happened. Okay. Um, my favorite movie of the year I've decided is Nightcrawler. I think I mentioned that with Drew in the podcast. And I just went to a screening with a bunch of friends at the Egyptian where the writer director, Dan Gilroy and his brother, the editor, Tony Gilroy, I hope I didn't reverse those. Anyway, they're twins and one of them edits and one wrote and direct. They did a Q and A. So I love a Q and A. My hand is always up. I like to think I bring it with the questions, and he talked about how when he was writing it, he sort of broke all the rules that he's used to keeping when he writes for studios. Like, you have to have an arc, and your character has to be likable, and you have to have a big backstory so you know everything about him. He just threw that all out and started with what he wanted to do, and I asked him what the success of the film has taught him about what audiences want and like in movies and how that will affect him moving forward. And his answer was really interesting, and I I liked it. He said there were two things that he learned. One, that audiences like to fill in the blanks. We like the exercise of trying to figure out why somebody's the way they are, or, you know, there are certain scenes that happen in the story that we don't see on screen um, having to do with sex, I guess. I'll give it a little away. And he said... He left them out because he thought the audience's idea of what that was like was so much more interesting than what he would do, which is interesting. And the other thing he said that he learned was that you have to make something about something. Like when you're writing something, really think about what it's really about deep down. And for him, Nightcrawler was about, you know, capitalism run amok and how desperate everyone feels. And I think that's why... I connected to the movie because I've, I've experienced that in the workforce, and I think everyone has. They're, it's just everyone's desperate. And I think that him having that baseline of what he wanted to write about um, make that, makes that movie so resonant. So anyway, that's my So This Happened for this week. If you haven't seen that movie, you have to see it. It's really cool. And um, I think it's going to do better in the Oscar nominations this week than people are maybe expecting. And I would love it if Rene Russo snuck in there. All right, that's it. That's it for the show. Thank you again, Drew Drogi. Go see his shows. Watch everything he ever posts online. And uh, join us next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.